combination what up what up what up everyone welcome to episode 275 of combos court and i am combo don't forget to rate review and punch down on that subscribe button to support this show join in as a combos court patreon member i'll leave a link in the description for that another great way to support us share this episode man share it on linkedin share it on twitter Share it on Facebook. Share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at one to combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Tell a friend to tell a friend about Combo's Court Podcast. Today's show, Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, joins in a fantastic conversation about the evolution of fantasy basketball and more. Just a great conversation with Josh. You could find Josh on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. That's R-E-D-R-O-C-K underscore B-B-A-L-L. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Josh Lloyd, host of Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Welcome to Combos Court, man. How you feeling? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. It's crazy because, you know, we're over 270 episodes in. We've never talked fantasy basketball. So it's good to have you on. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Fantasy basketball was popularized all the way back in the 90s. It's pretty crazy to think about. It predates social media. Uh, how has it evolved over the years? Oh, I wasn't a part of it in the 90s. Um, I probably got started in the in the mid 2000s and you know things have changed i guess over the last even three or four years there's been a, a big influx of of people playing it with the nba putting more of it because the nba put no focus on it really at all but saw the success i guess that the nfl had with with uh, fantasy football and the way that that draws um draws fans and viewers in and the nba started just doing little subtle things like you would have noticed that they started rebranding things like you know this is week one of the nba and week two and week three just you know, rebranding those subtle things they will highlight here's the fantasy performer of the day they'll have their own NBA fantasy channel now. So they're just, they're just doing these little things to, to increase it. And I think it's worked because there is uh, there has been a big influx of people over the last couple of years who have, uh, who have been taking up fantasy basketball. How did you get involved covering this sport? And do you ever cover it from like a traditional sense or it's mostly all fantasy for you? No, I cover it from, from both perspectives. Okay. So I, I, started, um, I started doing this in 2013 okay. is when I started. And that was just from a... Um, it was just from a uh, fantasy perspective, started a blog there and a podcast there and things have evolved over, over time. But I do, uh, I do writing and podcasting that's not fantasy related too. So I, I just got into it, basically just started writing my own stuff and then, and people started uh, noticing that. And then it sort of you know, has snowballed from there into all the various roles that I have now. Has the formula changed over the years? Because even when, you know, let's say you talk to a casual fan, they'll start talking about efficiency and stuff. You know, I mean, back in the 90s and early 2000s, casual fans didn't think about efficiency. You know, they just thought points, rebounds, assists. Has the formula changed at all for fantasy basketball? Um, well, it's, it's pretty customizable, but in general, the standard formats are about the same. Um, yeah, a, a standard points format doesn't really or doesn't at all take into consideration efficiency so missed shots percentages have nothing to do with it 
a standard category format does, but those standard categories in a fantasy league have been the same forever, pretty much. So, and it always takes into consideration field goals and free throws, but it hasn't taken that leap, which I really wish it would, into looking at things more like, you know, true shooting and things like that, which aren't uh, really something that are that are used in fantasy leagues at this point. It needs, it needs an adjustment because it is based a lot more on, say, 90s basketball, where, you know, not that many people were taking threes when they, that's a, a category on its own, like, you know, who hits the most threes when it's not really that big of a deal anymore. So it does need a bit of a, a shakeup, but it is sort of pretty stuck in the defaults we've had from the previous, you know, 20, 20, 30 years, whatever it's been. Yeah, that's interesting. I would think because of analytics, it would evolve and get more into efficiency, you know? Yeah, look, I, I think you've got, you've got to try and balance it. So you've got to be able to have things that, you know, favor guards or favor centers and people are really yeah. resistant to change on that end. And you, you bring in say a true shooting number, which is, you know, a, a much better measure of efficiency than say field goal percentage, but then you lose a couple of categories there because your free throws and field goals are, are taken into consideration with true shooting percentage. So what else do you add in? And there's no real, there's no real consensus to what the best things are. I think we'll get there eventually by just looking at things like, maybe more of these all-in-one game metrics. Um, yeah, things like the advanced hustle stats, your deflections and shots contested and, and yeah, uh, ball deflections. I think I said that already, but that sort of stuff, which I think has more of an impact uh, on on actual winning basketball and you know, things like you know, on-offs and, and uh, player impact metrics, I think. But we're a long way away from that, uh, I think, coming in because people are, are pretty resistant to that sort of stuff. Do NBA teams ever reach out because you're so familiar? You're so familiar with a lot of these players from an individual standpoint that others might not be. You know, nah. Look, no, no NBA teams ever reached out to me to ask my opinion on things. Like there's a couple of NBA GMs who who may or may not follow uh, follow me uh, on social media, but uh, yeah, no one's ever reached out for anything. Okay, um, so who this year has surprised you from a fantasy point of view, and in a good way and in a bad way? You know. Um, I think yeah, John Morant was a big letdown from a fantasy perspective this year. Like just his, yeah, his regression in, in his shooting numbers um, and his inability to take things further in terms of generating defensive stats was that yeah, he was drafted within the top 40 in most cases and, and wasn't a top 100 player for the season. So he was a pretty big, um, pretty big disappointment. And someone like a, a Julius Randle was a, a pretty large surprise. There were a couple of other guys who were, you know, you weren't even considered to be drafting like a, a Kyle Anderson, for example, who played 20 minutes a game last year. And all of a sudden this year, he's like a top 75 player. So those sort of guys who you take on these unexpected roles or have big unexpected improvements. Um, yeah. Randall and Anderson, two names that come to mind. And then yeah, Morant was probably, Morant was a pretty big disappointment. Someone like a Yusuf Nurkic was a pretty big disappointment as well on the, uh, on the other side of the ledger. So when you're on your podcast and you're saying, you know, this guy's good, this guy's bad, is it assumed that it's from a fantasy point of view? And, and is that one and the same usually? Yeah, I, I try to differentiate that when, I, when I'm mentioning because, yeah, a lot of the times I can say that this guy is putting up you know, good fantasy numbers, but I'm not sure how sustainable that is because I'm not sure he's that good. Like I will try and um, you know, couch those two things together because in the end, like we can say that our oh, fantasy doesn't reflect real life and real life doesn't reflect fantasy, but in the end it, it does because if a player is putting up good fantasy sets, but they're not a good real life player, eventually they just won't play. Like they, so yeah. you've got to understand that, that, Hey, they're, they're in this situation where all these guys are injured and he's playing 35 minutes and he's averaging 20 and eight. But if I've got to realize that he's not good, that when these guys come back, he's just not going to play. And I think that's a case like with someone like a Chris Dunn, uh, Chris Dunn, uh, Kendrick Nunn is the player I'm thinking of. Yeah. When the Heat had injured players, he'd come in, he'd play 30 minutes, he'd score. And then when they were healthy, he'd be a DMP. And you go, okay, so 
is he actually good enough to, to be in this role? Look, when all these things are happening, that the numbers are there, but how do the heat value? Is he considered good? You know, where where do his minutes go when the players are healthy? And you know, of course, they didn't have health for most of the year with Dragic and then Oladipo hurt. But when they were healthy, he just wouldn't play. And yet you've got to try and put all those factors together. So while you can say that on a game-by-game basis, being good in real life doesn't always translate to fantasy, in the end, it, it ends up marrying up. I guess everything is important when you're making a fantasy basketball team except chemistry, right? You really don't have to worry about that when you're putting your team together. Uh, yes and no. Like You don't have to worry about whether the guys, you know, whether you draft Kevin Durant and then you draft... I can't even think of a player. You draft Giannis. Do they do they like each other? That doesn't matter. You have to be able to make these guys uh, make sense on a okay. team. You need to be able to balance or or stack up certain categories. There's no point getting a player like Russell Westbrook and then Andre Drummond who are terrible at your free throw percentage, right? And then also, look, I'm going to go get James Harden, whose best category is his free throw percentage because it just gets counted out by those other two guys. So that that's that's a fantasy chemistry type of thing. It's nothing to do with how they you interact with real life on the court, but you do have to make things make sense. It's not just, I'm just going to stack everything together. That's in a traditional category league format. You can't just stack everything together and get it to make sense. It's not just uh, how that works. It's got to make sense in context of the other players in your team. You've made some great YouTube videos lately. Uh, some of the teams that haven't made the playoffs you've been focusing on. Um, out of these teams, which franchises do you feel should be most excited about their future? Out of the ones that didn't make the playoffs? Um, yes. Okay, so I think you've got to look in, in a couple of areas. I think you've got to look at the Pelicans just because Zion's there, right? And he took significant leaps forward this year. Look, their team is not constructed particularly well. I don't think Van Gundy is necessarily the coach for them, but just having him there is something to be excited about. And I'll say the same with Charlotte. Like, they took big steps forward this year, and LaMelo Ball, I think, is going to be a real star. So having him there, you still got to fit other pieces around it, you got to work out you know, what's happening with Haywood in the future and where he fits in there, get some big men. But the steps that near ball there, look, there is tremendous excitement about it's so hard to get that sort of player. And Lamelo and Zion may not become that player, but they've got a better chance of getting that top five, top 10 player, let's say, than Sacramento at the moment or Chicago or um, Houston. Like they're, they're not there. Now that can all change if Houston gets the first pick in the draft, if the Thunder get the first yeah. pick in the draft, that changes a lot. And I think yeah. the Thunder's pretty excited as well, having Gildas Alexander plus a bunch of picks. But um, yeah, I, I think it, having Zion, having LaMelo Ball, that, that's the start that you want. For Houston, Cade Cunningham, Kevin Porter Jr. and uh, Christian Wood, that would be an exciting team, man. Yeah, look, that they would be. I think people will find out that if Cade Cunningham does go there, that guys like Porter and Wood are nowhere near the same class. They, you know, they've got to get excited about what they have. And at the moment, Porter and Wood are their two best prospects. But when we you know, boil it all down, they're not the guys that you want to be a second and third best player on a you know, top four seed. Like They're not going to be that sort of player. But getting a Cade Cunningham puts them into that Zion and puts them into that Lamelo type category with New Orleans and Charlotte because you've got that player there who then can maybe become that top 10 guy and you just can't, it's just impossible to find that guy otherwise. Did you put any thought in uh, what would be the best landing spot for Cade? Because I, I like Houston. I haven't, I haven't yet because I haven't done my draft prep. That's going to come in the next week or two where I really start digging into all that sort of stuff. I think that whatever it is, much like a Zion, much like a, a Luka Doncic, not saying that they're the same players or even the same level of prospect, he's not far off. But wherever he goes, you you tailor the team around him. Like that, that's what you you need to start to look at. So that you know, if he goes to um, Minnesota, 
and I don't worry that D'Angelo Russell's there handling the ball because in the end, you, Cunningham is the guy that I'm going to have handling the ball and he can play off those other players. Like that's the level of talent that I think he is. You don't worry that Cleveland's got Sexton and Garland there because if Cunningham goes and then those guys fit around him and you figure that out. Um, I think yeah, Houston would be, look, they don't, they don't have the talent. So he's going to be able to put up yeah, big usage immediately and put up yeah, a real, a real cornucopia of fantasy stats, I guess, what if he does end up there, but wherever he goes, I do think maybe look, say it's Toronto. They've got established players there already. Maybe it's a little bit of a slower start there, although that would make that team awesome in in a couple of years. I I think that he's that level of player that he goes somewhere and then everything else has to fit around him, not him needing to work his way in. Yeah. Toronto would be interesting. Imagine Kate like already getting that chance to be like a marquee guy on a playoff team. That would be, that would be really interesting. Yeah, it would. And then and it just reduces the pressure on guys like Siakam and uh, and Van Vliet and it reduces the pressure on Cunningham as well so that they all can sort of share that load. And then, yeah, by year two, year three, then he's established himself as that Luka Doncic, I run the offense type player. And then those other guys have really fit in around him. And you know, that best role for Siakam and Van Vliet is being the second and third best player on a really good team. Because they, I think they can do that role. They've, they've done it before. They can be that sort of player. Um, and then Cunningham can elevate in you know, year three, year four. So with OKC, I mean, this year, you know, usually there's like a bad energy or a bad vibe around, you know, tanking teams, but it's been pretty good energy. Uh, what did you think of Poku season in particular? Uh, obviously, he started off pretty horribly with the shooting, but it, the dude, like, he doesn't turn 20 until December. He's still right. like ridiculously young. Like he's the youngest player in the league at the moment. Um, yeah, the, the, I think the Thunder did it right as well, is that you know, a lot of people look at him, and go, oh, he's seven foot, he's a center. He's not. Like he's a, a seven foot wing guard, maybe he, he can handle the ball. He can block shots. Like you, we don't see this player he, he, who blocks shots at a high rate, who can rebound, who can shoot threes. Although he didn't really show that this year, that will come. Um, and who can handle the ball, who can dribble, who can pass, who can do a whole bunch of stuff. I'm really excited about where he goes, how he fits in remains to be seen. But the fact that they were playing him at the three and at the two at times makes me understand or think that they understand how he can be best utilized. Not like saying, can you just go stand in the paint? Cause he'll get destroyed there. Like that's not what his role is. He is a seven foot wing slash guard and not a, not an undersized or not a skinny center. Cause that's not what he is. I wonder if the next evolution for him would even be playing like the point guard or initiating offense. I think he can do it. I, I, look, we've seen yeah, if Zion Williamson's playing point guard, Giannis is playing point guard in the past. LeBron's a six nine yeah, train playing point guard. Look, he's seven foot, but who cares? Like if the guy can pass. Nikola Jokic plays point guard. Like, let's not get things out of out of whack here. Like he's a center, but he's also he's a he's the point guard on that team. Like he runs everything, and Pokusevsky doesn't quite have that level of passing because nobody does but there's there's no reason that he can't be a guy that they pair with a non-traditional you know non-pure point guard a scoring that he they need a scoring guard next to him you know it is jamal murray or zach levine like that sort of player um and maybe shea gildas alexander is that guy because he's a solid passer but he's not a great one and i think they can work well together thoughts on the detroit pistons younger players sadiq bay killian hayes Sadiq Bey's floor is obviously really high. I mean, he's already a good NBA player. What do you think his ceiling could be? And Killian Hayes, I mean, he showed flashes towards the end. Are you optimistic about him? Yeah, look, I had Killian Hayes pretty high in the draft last year, and he obviously disappointed to begin the year. And I think your, your take on, on Bay is fine. And that's exactly the sort of thought I had with Bay heading into the draft is that he can come in, he can be a solid enough NBA role player and player, and he can hit threes, but 
what more does he do? And I look at what he did this year and I, was, I also look at and go like, what, what's the next step for him? Does he become a high usage player? Like almost definitely not. Can he pass? Can he defend at a super high level? I'm not sure that he can. Like he will get better than he was this year and more consistent. But is that ceiling particularly high? Whereas I think Hayes' ceiling is still way higher. Um, he might not get there. It's probably a much lesser chance that he gets there. But as a six six or six five point guard who can defend at a really high level already and has got pretty good vision, uh, if that shooting and confidence comes, like I think he's got the highest upside of that trio of first round picks pretty clearly, even though he had the worst season out of that three that this year. From a fantasy perspective, who was the best rookie in fantasy basketball? I mean. Halliburton's efficiency was really high, but, you know, obviously Edwards had some great games when it comes to raw stats that we know LaMelo played great. You know a lot about LaMelo being out in Australia. Uh, yeah, so who, who, from a fantasy perspective, who was the best rookie or best rookies this season? It was, yeah, the, the top three was LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, and Tyrese Halliburton. Um, Ball was the best rookie. Edwards, Edwards wasn't in category leagues. He wasn't that good because look, we forget this. His first three months or two and a half months were really, they were quite bad. Like he was not good at all. And he was yeah, actively a negative impact on his team and on fantasy teams. He turned it on in a massive way down the stretch, but that didn't negate all of the, the stinking that he did to begin the year. So ball was the best rookie. And then in category leagues, Halliburton was actually better than Edwards and in points leagues that's, that's switched over. So, but they were the clear top three, which I don't think would surprise anybody. Craziest fantasy season you've ever seen any year. Uh, her craziest. I don't know. That's a that's a good question. To be honest, Jokic's season this year is not far off. Like you don't see centers do what he did. Um, and he's been the number one guy pretty much wire to wire this season. Uh, so that that would be pretty much up there. Um, yeah, some of those. Yeah, you know, the, the Steph Curry fifteen sixteen season, I think it was, or I don't know if it was maybe it was sixteen seventeen. Yeah. That was pretty insane as well. Although Curry, he wasn't far off at this year. In fact, he was he's pretty much quite there, almost there this year as well. So probably those two. I think that Curry one in terms of you know, value was probably the number one year we've had since you know, guys like you know, David Robinson and Hakeem Olajuwon and you know, Jordan and Bird because they put up some insane numbers back in like the 80s and 90s. But um, probably, yeah, probably that Steph year or, or Jokic this year was pretty impressive. I guess if Wilt was around during fantasy basketball, that would have been oh, yeah. pretty crazy, right? Yeah, well, considering we don't even know how many like shots he blocked and they didn't keep those stats, then, like yeah, he would have been it would have been impossible to to uh, to best him. But if you ever go back and look, like we've got we've got a website which is uh, yeah history You can go back and look at the fantasy rankings through all years Ooh. and go look at the numbers of like Larry Bird and, and Magic Johnson and like they were like the number three player for like nine years in a row, like that that level. And you know, David Robinson was blocking four shots and he's getting two and a half steals per game, like numbers that you just you never see. Like it's impossible to see those numbers now. Any like outlier seasons for players that nobody would think about as a top player in the NBA, but they were just ridiculous in fantasy. Is anything uh, come to mind? I think Kyle Anderson's one of those that I referenced earlier where he was, you know, the 75th ranked player in fantasy. And I don't think anybody would assume that like, because his ability to generate you know, defensive play and, and defensive stats was really, really big this season. So he's probably one of those, one of those guys that I guess flies a little bit under the radar uh, with his value, um, I'm trying to think who else. OG Ananobi was a top 50 player. This oh, wow. Season. Okay. That's yeah, interesting. Because, yeah, he shot the ball fantastically. Big steals, good blocks. Uh, I think he's going to, I think he's really going to take it to the next level next season, uh, Ananobi. Um, yeah, Rashawn Holmes, we're talking about a guy that was almost a top 50 player this season as well. So I think the people will be probably a little bit surprised by that as well. Um, and Delon Wright, 
just yeah, he snuck inside the top 100. And I don't think, again, many people would, would necessarily realize that. Josh, great stuff. Uh, last thing before we get out of here, what's the future for fantasy basketball? I know you said, you know, the formula hasn't changed much, but do you see something going forward that might change with the evolution of it? Uh, I just think we need to start having more of a, more of a view on you know, removing these numbers like you know three pointers made or, or field goal percentage, which don't really tell the value of a player, and finding that you know, appropriate replacement. Whether that is the prevalence of more of these all-in-one impact metrics, it's true shooting, it's hustle stats, it's defensive impact, that sort of stuff. I think needs to come into it. That needs to be more widespread and uh, recognized by people. But I think yeah, that's that is probably the next step with this stuff is to you know, move these things that you know when. If you're three pointers as a category, if someone hit two a game, like they'd be so far ahead of the league yet, whereas now like 60% of the league will hit two threes a game. So it's not that important. And you're moving to value a player at a more similar level to how their actual on-court impact is. But it's going to take some time. And uh, I can bang on about it as much as I can, as much as I want. But, you know, my reach doesn't hit every player who plays fantasy basketball. So, yeah, that needs to be a slower process. Josh, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Please let us know where we can find you on social media and everywhere else. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. On Instagram, it's Locked On Fantasy Basketball. And the podcast is just Locked On Fantasy Basketball. I also host Locked On NBA. And you can find that wherever you find podcasts and on YouTube as well. Thanks so much for taking the time and talk soon. No worries, man. There it is. Another episode of Combo's Court. Thank you to everyone who tunes into the show across the globe. Big shouts to Josh for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, would be great to hear your feedback. Leave a comment right on your Apple podcast app. Rate and review the show wherever you listen to Combo's Court. And punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. If you listen to the show, if you enjoy the show, join in as a Combo's Court Patreon member. I'll leave a link in the description for that that's a great way to support also man share this episode share this episode with a friend share it on twitter share it on linkedin share it on facebook share it on your instagram stories and tag me at one two combo on there that's o-n-e-t-w-o-c-o-m-b-o on instagram be on the lookout for episode two seven six combo out